Hey, wonderful listeners, a warm welcome to the Carmen Murray Show. Before we get started, I, I, however, would like to make a special announcement. For those of you that have been part of the journey, I started podcasting and took the call to adventure about six years ago, and the journey was all about empowering women, and that's exactly where it was starting from, and it was a departure point. But through the years, I've experimented, and I tried new things, and I really tried to find something that works for me, but I had to go back to the roots, so... Sam Marshall was absolutely wonderful by introducing me to podcasting and from there I got invited by the Solid Gold Podcast Studios to start my own podcast and really take it to the next level. But where I'm finding myself today is I've gone through so much as a human being um, in the past, I would say, five years and I've always showed up, showed my brave, but I haven't always shown what's really on my mind and what's really you know keeps me up at night and discussing those things that I really feel needs to be discussed I've evolved as a human I no longer see women as a competition but I see women as a partner in order to secure a future and when I look at the turmoil that's happening in the world right now it really gives me heart palpitations and I believe that we as women need to start coming together and create community and collaboration like never before in order to drive consciousness and business. So therefore, I would like to make the announcement that going forward, we will be interviewing high potential women, conscious leaders, and specifically focusing on women because I've been studying the the matriarch societies for the past year. And what I'm learning from matriarch societies is how they lead. They lead differently. Patriarch, the patriarchy has always been um, very different to matriarchy. And I think that everybody thinks, oh, okay, patriarchy and matriarchy is exactly the same thing. It's just opposite, but it's not. Matriarchy is all about collaboration and community and balance and respecting the earth and respecting spirituality and making sure that there's always laws in place and making sure that there's community and raising the kids together with the same value system and staying true to the roots and the value systems that they hold so dear to their hearts. And that is why I really want to bring us all together in a community where we can start having uncomfortable conversations, address things that we don't like, and also help each other through the journey as to how we can make change and support each other i've always had a problem with the word empowerment because i always feel it's an outside thing it's like once again we're being told what to do and how to do it and and all of that whereas i think this is all about who are we internally and how are we leading ourselves and becoming more conscious and in our journeys and what wisdom can we impart from our side and with that i'm very excited to introduce you to my friend my peer and also a highly respected woman in the tech industry. Um, She has the same passion for marketing and communications like I do. And this is Marissa Jensen from Fearen. Welcome. Welcome. Oh, welcome. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> well, well, that's actually not a not a Freudian slip because I am very excited to be on the other side of the microphone. Um, for those of you who don't know, Carmen has actually produced... 10 episodes of a podcast that I used to be on and so it's very nice to actually be on the other side and say not welcome which I just did but to say thank you very much for having me and I'm super excited about today's episode. Exactly and you know why I wanted you to be the first person to come in and do the podcast is because um, we did this project Her Story Her Voice 
women all across the globe mm-hmm. and um you know it's, it's, uh, it's about the theme of her story her voice and empowering her to power to be power to see power to give mm-hmm. to society and that was such a inspiring project to work on and I think it's it's a beautiful way to lead into the conversation because that is exactly what this departure point is all about. It's going back to the roots of that that mm. thing that we're so passionate about. Mm-hmm. So um, today I actually want to talk to to you about diversity in, in technology and cracking the code there because there's things out there that's concerning me a bit. Um, you know, in terms of diversity and inclusion and what does this mean for technology? So. I think before we get started, perhaps you can give me a little bit of insight as to how do you see conscious leadership? What does it mean to you? Sure. It's a, it's a broad question. Um, for me, conscious leadership is about being present. Um, and I think there's so much that happens in the world um, and that happens in our day-to-day lives. And there's so many technologies that have been designed to, you know, almost addict us into just operating um, instead of being conscious about the decisions that you make and being present mm. and really taking in the environment that you're in and the the impact that you have on that environment. And you can always have both a positive and a negative impact. And conscious leadership for me is about being conscious of the impact that you have, but also conscious of the potential impact that you can have. Mm. So it's never being comfortable in the space that you are, but always looking at what is the next big thing that I can do to make a positive impact. And a positive impact can be so many things. It Mm. can be a positive impact in driving business forward to create more opportunities for more people, create more jobs, uh, create new products that will change the world for the better in a positive way. But Positive impact can also be the impact that you have on the humans um, that's around you, the humans that work for you, the humans that are your peers, the humans that you collaborate with. Mm. And I think it's so important to be conscious of your impact um, and not just be in that on that treadmill operating, but really asking yourself, what is important? Why am I here? How does this make me feel? Um, because that is how you become present and conscious in your environment and how you can really move forward and make those decisions that have ultimately a positive impact. 100%. I, I can't agree with you more. And I think it's like, you know, the other day I was walking and I was I just saw creatures I've never seen before because I'm never looking on the ground or looking up to see a butterfly or anything like that. Um, and um, there was a wasp. I was ha- having a meeting with a friend of mine and there was a wasp flying in between us, in between our hair. And I was like brought back to these memories I had as a child when we were chased by wasps of all things into the house. And it made me think about how we are so busy as a society mm-hmm. that we actually are not paying attention. And I also think, um, you know, the screen is a, is a very big challenge at the moment yeah. and also the surveillance that is happening and where people's privacy is completely, um, you know, taken for granted and the unethicalness that's happening in the industry. What's your point of view on that? I think there's a lot to be said on the whole privacy, um, topic and I think there's if you look at there's actually an art installation um, about the T's and C's of some of the social media platforms and how long they are and I think we've been slowly but surely it's like the 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 um, frog in the pot slowly but surely 
quite voluntarily been giving away pieces of our identity to these big tech companies because we don't really understand what we are giving away. And I think none of us really grasp the potential that the amount of data that they own about us really have. Mm. And again, back to the conscious leadership thing, it can have a positive impact on the world when we use that data for good. Um, but it also can have a negative impact on the world when we use that data purely for our own selfish and financial gains. Um, so my point of view on that is that I think tech companies need to do more than just go beyond or just to comply to the privacy laws, etc. Uh, I think there's something about the ethicalness and way and the way data is used. I think for me as a mother of two small children, nine and ten or nine and eleven, I think that particularly when it comes to children, um, that for me is the the biggest area of concern uh, in terms of privacy and what is being sold to children, what is being shown to children. Mm. Uh, I'm scared to get death to give my own children access to the internet, to social media platforms, um, because there's just very little control in terms of what they can see. Um, and I think as, as, as broader society, there's also this, um, mass of, you know, fake news, fake topics. Mm. Uh, you are ha- starting to have this myopic view of the world because you're just getting fed things by the algorithms based on the data that they have about you. So for me, privacy is not just about the data that they have about you. It's about the unintended or potentially intended, who knows, impact or consequences that it has in terms of how our psyches as humans are being impacted based on the information we get to see every day. Um, and more so, uh, you know, the generation that's growing up with that myopic pick view. Uh, mm. We've had it for 10, 15 years. Um, they will have it their entire lives. And what is that going to do to them? Um, yeah. We know when there's a lack of diversity in thinking, what happens? Um, and that unfortunately is what is happening on the internet and what is being fed to, to individuals based on the data that these organizations use and have available to you. Uh, but like I said, there's always a good and a bad. And I think there's a lot that tech companies should do to make mm. sure that this is used ethically. Um, and that we start getting the same rigor in place that we did, um, back in the day when we had to do ethical press. You know, what was ethical to be in the press? What is responsible to be in the press? I really want us to get to that stage with the types of media that are available to us now. Um, but I do think it will be be some time before we get there. Um, I think also very important what you mentioned just about your children. Helicopter parenting is becoming something profound where, you know, when we were younger, well, I'm speaking for myself, but I'm assuming when you were younger, <laughs> you didn't have an iPhone or a a mobile device and lived your life just by doing whatever you're doing online, but still got to play outside Mm -hmm. and still be innocent. Whereas with helicopter parents, they are not allowing their children to experience life. That type of control and monitoring is now not just in the outside world, but it's also in the inside, in the home environment. Mm -hmm. I do foresee that that would have some sort of consequence in catapulting some sort of rebellion and anarchy from young people in future generations mm-hmm. to come try to break free of the system. Mm-hmm. I mean, what have you experienced as a mom? You know, are you a helicopter parent? Or are you trying to avoid to be one? Since you are in the tech industry, there is a big possibility that you have all of the apps loaded. But I actually don't. <laughs> oh, yay! <laughs> She's not a helicopter parent. 
I actually don't. Um, the only um, kind of parenting app slash thing that I've got that's technology enabled is just what is controlled on my children's devices in terms of their access, the amount of time that mm. they have access to it, etc. Because then they can be angry at the monitoring software, not at me. Um, <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I always believe that all parents are there um, and they all have the intention of doing a good job, you know, mm. the majority of them. And at the end of the day, that's all you can do is try your best. Try your best to deliver well-rounded human beings. And what works for you is what works for you. So I'm not going to be the person that tells people how to produce that outcome. It's different for everyone, mm. different environments, different societies. Um in terms of your comment on rebellion, I, th- I, you know, I think that's what human or young humans do. You know, they rebel against the system that they were brought up in. They create something new. And, you know, I think rebelling against the system of being monitored and fed, um, stuff, um, that is not in your control. It's not of your choosing. Um, I think is something that we may see. Um, and again, it's a important, it's an important tension. There should always be that mm. healthy tension because that's how change is born. Um, and, and to, to, you know, that idea of freedom of the press, you know, freedom of my identity on the internet, being able to truly choose what is shown to me and what is not shown to me, um, is an ideal that I see, I think we'll start to see more and more. Mm. I increasingly get frustrated with social media platforms. Mm. I often um, don't want to go on them anymore because the majority of the things are pushed to me. It's not things that I've subscribed to. It's not things that I want to see. And even if I go onto someone else's feed and I want to particularly just see their content, even now in that feed, they are starting to put things in there that I did not ask for. Um, so it is, um, I think, something that we'll start seeing more, more and more of. Um, and that, you know, that reaction to what they had. Um, but I also think this idea of being um, confined to mm. certain topics or certain points of view is not new. It's just now more pervasive um, and maybe we've got more learnings and knowledge about it mm. um, given some of the experiences that we've had in the past, given the technology that's available to us. So that's what the youth is all about, rebelling yeah. against that and bre- heralding in a new generation of thinking differently about things. And so and so the cycle goes. Yeah, but I, I would also like to add, I also think that there is a lot of um, us in our older generation that is also going and saying, hey, I don't like what I'm seeing. I participated in this, but... I don't like where this is going mm. because I think we all feel a little bit blindsided and also feel, um, and I'm not, I mean, I am big for tech because I do believe that technology um, is a tech enabler, but I think where I'm having a disconnect with technology is this element of control. Mm. Um, you know, if you, if you look at, um, you know, in the beginning of the year, there was, I think over 12,000 people were retrenched um, at Google and I think Facebook then followed Obviously, they know something we don't know. They've been planning a lot. There's a lot going on. But when you actually look back at the press and everything that went out prior to that, you can see the picture and you know why. Mm. But I'm not, I'm not here to discuss that. But what I found interesting is if more, if the structural unemployment continues at the level, I mean, South Africa has got the highest unemployment rate, um, in, in Africa or in the world, um, especially our youth. Now, if the unemployment is going to continue and the structural unemployment really takes off, 
you know, where are people going to get money to support these big businesses? Mm. Um, you know, where's the inclusivity and, and, and working with machine, not, um, these, all the press that I'm seeing out there is, is saying, you know, machine is going to take over our lives. There's more negativity than positivity coming mm. through. What makes this difficult for me to understand is we have fought so hard for diversity and inclusion. And now women are not happy in the environments, but also these huge structural unemployment happening is causing the diversity paradigms to shift again back to where it was before. And what dilemma are we facing in the future regarding that? I think the environment overseas and the environment locally is very different. Um, I think there's still a long way for us to go uh, mm. in terms of tech as an enabler um, in South Africa versus what we're seeing overseas in terms of tech almost taking away certain jobs. I think that I don't think that tech will ever fully really take away certain jobs. And I think you'll probably see the cycle mm. shift. So like a couple of years ago, we saw big brands like IBM say, well, complete remote working. It was pre-COVID. Work wherever you want to. There's complete empowerment. Only to have that boomerang and have them start to call their people back because they started to see the unintended consequences of what that meant for their culture, what it meant for productivity, etc. Um, and they learned some of the hard lessons that we're all now looking to apply in a hybrid workplace. And I think we'll start to see the same happening in terms of this, oh, well, AI can do this, therefore we don't need these 10 people. At the end of the day, you still need someone to tell the AI what to do. And I think this idea of command engineering, etc., is the next wave of very interesting mm. jobs that we'll see. So I think it will go in swings and roundabouts. Um, to answer your question in terms of locally and in terms of diversity and inclusion, I think we've got some very, very clever um, youth um, that's got very interesting ideas. And I think as big business, we need to be um, open to working with them to figure out how technology can enable very interesting um, new models. So for instance, um, I had a chat to Miles Kubeka the other day, and he has got a completely different view on a retail model in the informal sector. Um, so the biggest problem is the, the smaller the amount of food that you buy, the more expensive it is. So a 20 kilogram bag of maize meal is double the price of a 500 gram mm. bag of maize meal. So if you only have 10 rand, the size of the package actually renders you poor and hungry where you actually aren't you've got you've got enough money to buy food for today and so he actually removed the packaging from that problem and now someone in the informal sector can go and buy food based on the amount of money that they have mm. they can buy enough maize sugar beans and whatever else they need for tonight because they were only paid today and they will only get another uh, payment tomorrow and so those are very interesting ideas that can really scale to the benefit of society, create more jobs if they are also tech enabled. Um, we've got a huge cash sector in our, in our country. Um, you know, what if we were able to use technology to, to, to not regulate that, but to facilitate those payments? It would be safer. People would be able to earn interest. Um, and they would also be able to do proper financial planning because the, the financial tools are now available to them. Um, and if we made it very easy for them to do it without a cost burden, I think there again is an idea there that could create a whole industry. So I think there's a lot of opportunity in this country for tech enabled, um, uh, job creation at scale.
Um, we're not quite there where we're seeing the Googles and the, you know, um, the Facebooks, et cetera, that we're seeing in the US in terms of mass layoffs. I still think there's a huge, huge opportunity in this country. And I think it's up to us to make sure that that is diverse and inclusive um, yeah. of both race and gender um, and in how we um, create those ecosystems, but also who those ecosystems benefit at the end of the day, both as an end user, but also as the people who, who manage and run those, those um, mm. organizations that come forth out of these new and interesting ideas. So what I'm hearing is that we possibly need to start looking at, we have always looked a lot at the, the global scale of how everything is happening because everything that happens there, eventually there is a ripple effect. Although the trends totally agree with you are very, very different. I mean, I also have this belief that trends, there is a lot of trends out there that is trend debris. It is absolutely, you can see that it's, it's, it's a PR stunt. Mm. There's no substance behind it. There's no like, we are solving this problem and yeah. this is the good that we want to do with the technology. It's almost, you know, if we look at the problem that we're having with deep fake, what, I mean, there's now, um, a trend that's happening where, um, the boss, your CEO, their faces and their voices are being used to create transactions, calling a chartered accountant and saying, Hey, um, I need you to quickly release these funds, pay these people. It's urgent. Otherwise the systems are going to um, break down or whatever the case might be. And it's becoming harder and harder, even for the tech industry to know what's fake and what's not. Mm-hmm. This is not even at the point of where it's, 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 growing and where it's going to go. And I think this is the challenges that we need to start um, really having serious debate, doing serious research around every trend that we put out there and mm-hmm. know that we have the ducks in a row. My question to you is, though, do you think that it would be better to create more community um, rather than looking at the global scale of things, like keeping an eye, but mm-hmm. keeping it more community focused in order to understand how different sections are evolving? Definitely. Um, I think we're going to see this massive resurgence of local and con- community. We've had many, many years of globalization. Uh, we've had all these big ecosystems that have sprung up that have become these massive global communities. I mean, the internet being mm. one of them. And, and not all of, all of that has always had the best impact on the communities that have, have leveraged those technologies because they were built by other communities and other points of view. Um, we've also seen a mass, um, export of certain cultures across the globe and an, an adoption of that at the expense of local cultures, local ideas and local thinking. I think we're now at a tipping point where technology is at scale and is cheap enough for us to actually leverage at a local scale. Mm. Um, so before it was very difficult to, you know, leverage some of those technologies if you weren't the owner of that technology, uh, because it was either proprietary or it was too expensive. So you had to leverage those ecosystems. Now you can almost build your own or you can leverage those ecosystems in a way that is more beneficial to your own. Mm. Um, I also think your idea, your, your comments around deep fake, um, will also start to push us more into, unless I have seen you face to face, unless mm, I have I actually agree. had a conversation with you in person, um, via a channel that is, um, uh, uh trusted by me, like a t- old fashioned telephone yeah. call. Um, we, we're going to start seeing a lot more of that community based 
local. Um, and local can be at a national level, but local can also be at a totally at a community level. Mm. Um, so I 100% agree. I think there's there's good things to be taken from some of the things we see coming in from overseas. But I think this is the time for Africa to solve our problems in the way that Africa needs to solve those problems, not in the way that the US or Europe or uh, China mm. tells us to or enables us to. Uh, we have the tools. We have the smarts. We've got incredibly, incredibly smart people um, that sees the world differently. Let's leverage that for our own good. Let's use technology for good in that way versus just perpetuating this massive globalization. I'm not anti-globalization. I think there's a lot of benefit from that scale, but I think there's a balance to be yeah. had between the two. I totally agree. And I do think that, you know, we need to start really having a localization strategy and trying to see how we bring communities together to solve community problems. I think when there's an element of ownership and feeling like I'm part of mm -hmm. creating my future, it feels more collaborative, uh, if you get my point. Yeah. Um, the one question that I really want to ask you is, um, you know, from your perspective, perspective, what do you think women bring to the tech world that's different? And why do we need to start investing more into um, female ventures? So I think uh, women are very different to men in the way that we think, in the way that we biologically wired. You know, it's just a fact. That's, that's you know, how it is. That's who we are. Um, and I'm a big believer in diversity, you know, having people um, with different viewpoints. So not just male, female, you know, not just racial, not just um, cultural background, even just your experiences and the environment that you grew up in shapes the way that you think. And you could be looking at a problem in a very different way that um, some of your peers are. And if you are bringing in um, just very similar points of view across the table, you'll all see the problem in the same way and you'll all actually be solving it in the same way. But there might be other very different solutions to that problem that might be better. Mm. Um, or there might be contributions to the solution that you've come up with that actually makes it even better. Um, and so that's why I believe that we need to be bringing in that very different voice around the table. Uh, for me, um, it's very dear to my heart to make sure that those are also female voices, um, purely from the fact that in the technology um sector, women are very unrepresented uh, or underrepresented um, because of, you know, where it stems from, you know, little and STEM actually is the, the issue, you know, little girls are often not encouraged or don't feel confident enough to go into, you know, the STEM subjects. And um, I think when my husband graduated, there was one woman in his class, he graduated engineering. Um, and so traditionally, they've just not come up in the rungs of um, technology. Luckily, we're now also seeing an inclusion from um, not just technology-based type of educations, but lots of different type of educations that are bringing more female voices to the table. Um, but for me, it's very important to have that diversity of thinking and to make sure that women are more represented in the tech world, um, just because we do think differently about the world um, and and about the impact that certain things have on society um, and how that technology um, can enable um, a, a better outcome. So back to the answer about conscious leadership, that consciousness about um, the community in which, within which you operate, etc., I think is something that female voices bring to the table. 
Yeah. And I also think that they're very good systems thinkers. Yes. I think they're really good in handling complex, um, complexity. You know, if you look at a, at a, um, a woman's body, it's so complex. I've just started perimenopause. So, um, I'm learning a lot about my body. I'm trying to build a really good relationship with my body now because I've never had one and really understanding it. And I recently, um, started seeing a kinesiologist. So basically it's this incredible thing that you just sit there with your arm and your body can talk mm. and through your muscles, cause your muscles hold memory. It can go back with any illness or anything that's bothering you. And it can tell you when this thing happened to you that's making you do this or making you ill, etc. And I thought, you know, I'm going to go the homeopathic route. I'm going to try and see how I can do things as natural as possible so that I can learn about myself through this journey. Obviously, I'm not saying when I do need proper medicine, I will obviously do that in harmony with um, Big Pharma. But from my perspective, I am really enjoying this journey. And I learned so much about certain things that's happening in my happening in my health that has to do with events that happened in my life and how my body is like answering. I was like, who told my body to answer that? I didn't know that. Jeez, like I forgot about this thing. And it's like you, you, you have so much, um, memories that get stuck in the subconscious mind. Um, and when I also understand that a woman's, um, body is all, um, her, her sexual organs are internal and a man's mm. is external and women are far more internal. And they understand their complexities and their bodies far better. And I think that's the part of womanhood that I really enjoy seeing starting to to come to fruition where women are going, yeah, but I'm actually powerful. There's actually something mm. amazing about me. And I think that can also lend itself into the business world yeah. where they have a very internal way of thinking and bringing things to life. Um, I always say men take care of the physical world and women take care of the internal world like you know they're very good at that so um i'm i really like your answer and thank you so much for that what i wanted to add one yeah thing of course of, of, of that uh, i really like your view of the biological way yes we all we we are wired very differently but i also think that there's this societal expectations that has been thrust upon both men and women. Mm. And we're now seeing actually how some men are actually quite brave in standing against some of that in terms of how they have to show up at home, how they have to show up differently at work, because still, you know, we live in a, a world where the corporate environment is made for men whose wives don't work. And now these same men who's, you know, have to operate in this ecosystem, um, they have to now you know, operate also in a very different way to support their wives that are working. And so I think you're seeing that diversity coming more through in terms of an empathy um, uh, uh, on the male side, but also a woman finding their voices. Um, so I think it's both biological, but also societal. Mm. We're at the very cusp of it. I think there's still a long, long way to go for that empathy to be 100% entrenched and for women to feel truly empowered with their voices around the table. But we are starting to see a big shift and I'm quite excited about uh, you know the generation that my sons will will grow up in and and work in and 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 what they will start they will see around the table I'm, I'm very curious about that but also excited because I think it will be very different to what we have today yeah absolutely you know I studied numerology right I mean you know that yeah yes. <laughs> so the interesting thing that you learn about numerology is um the age of consciousness and we've started moving into the age of consciousness and um how 
there's gonna, the balance needs to be restored. Mother Earth is birthing. Mm. She's 70% water and she's going through a process of rebirth. And this is, we're going to see a lot of changes on our planet. We might have different, more countries than we expected, more planets, more continents. We don't know. Mm. But over the next a couple of thousand years, we are going to see tremendous change on this planet. We might not be here to witness it. And I think that's also why it's important is to start looking as to how all of these things are interconnected. Um, I think from, from my perspective, so recently we, we were doing some research for a client, um, and the SME sector, right? Um, before the pandemic, about 60 people per month registered a business. Guess how many people are registering for a business now? Per month, 3,000. Wow. There's a big migration that's going to happen. Mm. And businesses need to start thinking how they're going to incorporate the smaller businesses in their supply chain and support that. So the whole supply chain needs to be disrupted. Yep. That thought of like, if you think of a retail store, now the consumer is going to go, I want to know what's in this product. If I don't know what this is, I'm not buying from this brand. Mm. It's not, it's, it, and now working hand in hand, what products do we store that we can have a conscious section or we can have a, um, at least just have transparency around what is in the products and start asking the deep questions because people are starting to wake up mm-hmm. or remembering. 100%. I think, uh, I can't remember how long ago it was, but it was probably a good five plus years ago. I read about this trend called ecosystems of value. Um, and that was going to be something that was going to start emerging significantly in the world. And I think these ecosystems of value is the new, is going to be the new, you know, mega corporations. I don't think there will be a single, you know, corporation. Hopefully there isn't, but you know, who knows? Um, controlling everything um, because they just won't be trusted. It needs to be this ecosystem um, of value that's created um, for the people by the people almost. Mm. And your ability to bring those together and to enable them and to 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 really work within that community to deliver the value that you need to get from it, um, but also give value back into that ecosystem. And those ecosystems can be ecosystems that bring different thoughts to the table, different technologies to the table, access to different audiences to the table, and then, uh, you know, be a voice for the needs of those audiences in, uh, you know, to the table. Um, technology allows us to reach um, a lot of people. It also allows us to understand things down to a very small microcosm. And if you think about the, to those two superpowers, our ability to, to scale across an ecosystem like that and, and support an ecosystem like that with technology, but also make sure that it, uh, you know, it goes down into the microcosm of the needs and, and really meeting those needs. It's mm-hmm. not this homogenized view of the world anymore. I think that's definitely a trend that we're going to see. Um, and I think the businesses of the future are going to be the ones that embrace that because they will be the brands that are truly trusted. Um, and they'll be, you know, and actually we're already seeing it coming to life in, in things like platform businesses. You know, a true platform business ultimately just creates an ecosystem that other people can build stuff in and make money from. And because they are making money from that, you are also making money from that. And that's the mm. flywheel effect. So, if you think about that, not just purely in the app 
or tech space, but in the business space and how you then engage or create an environment for communities to come and build stuff that they need. And because there are people in I those communities that. building things mm. that is supporting them and helping them make a living and, and helping them fulfill their purpose on this planet. And by the same virtue, you are also benefiting from that. What an incredible concept. And I if that it, is yeah. the future of how businesses are going to operate, bring it on because I think it'll be incredible. Now, you see, that to me is exciting because I think it's so, um, I, I really believe technology is a service. It, it's, it's there to enable us to do amazing things. Um, I've started also looking at social media as a service. <laughs> like I'm not looking at it anymore as like, I'll put out whatever I want to put out there and I'll forget about what I said as long as it's a vehicle. Wherever it reaches, it reaches when it has to. Um, and, you know, it's a service that helps us to be seen that we never would be able to do 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very exciting to see where things are going. But also, I think, I think we also need to start building a good relationship with ethics. And I think consciousness, mm. I always had this thing. Why do we have to tell people to be ethical? You know, why does there need to be a law to tell somebody to be ethical? It should be, you should be conscious and know that this is not right or this is not so. So we are going to move on to the next section where I want us to have a little bit of a reflection moment on what's your brave. Embracing bravery is a journey of self-discovery and resilience. To truly understand what your brave is, it requires introspection, self-honor, and celebration of the moments where you've stood tall in the face of challenges. It is to know the battle, know the values, know what you're fighting and why. I want to start off with one important question. If you look back at your life and acknowledging how far you've come and how you've grown and consider the ways that you've come to be who you are today, How have you honored yourself and your bravery? And talk us a little bit through about your unique path and where you feel you've showed up brave. I think, well, there's actually two, but I'm just going to talk about the one. For me, my my brave was becoming a mother. Um, I don't think, you know, growing up in the Afrikaans culture, it's, you know, you leave school, you get married, you have children, um, and not in the, you know, barefoot and pregnant sense. It's just that's the, the path that you go on. And I don't think I truly questioned whether or not I wanted children. Um, I just did it because that was the next logical thing to do. I didn't not want that either. It was just that's the next thing. So it was almost like a, it's just that's what's next. It's not a conscious decision. And then as I went on that journey, the implications of that decision became very clear to me in terms of how hard it was for me to marry the demands of being a mother with the demands of the ambition that I have to also have a career. Um, and no one could teach me that. Um, and no one, you know, there wasn't even really, it's almost a taboo topic to talk mm. about um, being a mother and having a career. And in fact, Many times women are shamed for that. They say, you know, they're shown as people who are neglectful of their, um, of their families if they don't, you know, if they don't myopically focus on their, on their families or if they, if their families sometimes have to make compromises in lieu of their career. And so for me, my brave was really coming to terms with that of, 
working through those cultural norms mm. um, and and the shaming that comes with being a mom and having a career, the guilt that you feel. And also I think the biggest challenge for me there was also the dynamic between male and female, you know, the dynamic at home, the dynamic in the office environment um, in terms of, you know, that idea of having to support your family um, emotionally financially and in you know in the chores that you have to do but you have to do the same at work as well and it's this holding and I call it holding because I don't think you know our partners brains are always um, wired this way you hold everything even if they are you know good at showing up and doing half of the chores that are related to the kids, you still hold a hundred percent of that because you just naturally inclined to make sure that it gets done. So you holding all of that. And I think my brave was really firstly coming to terms and becoming very comfortable with the fact that it's okay to be a mom and have a career. Mm. Secondly, that I wasn't a bad mom because I wasn't there all the time. Um, and, and thirdly, that, you know, men have an incredibly important part to play and they're not all bad. You know, I, I was very, I was very almost resentful of the various men in my ecosystem at that stage, including my husband and actually coming to terms with the fact that it's not the case. Uh, it's about how you, how you navigate that environment and collaborate on making it what it needs to be. And not every environment's the same for everyone. For me, that was my brave is coming to term with those three things and really the, the, the mental exhaustion that that took. Um, for a very long time, I really struggled. I also had very bad postnatal depression. I'm now on the other side of it, looking back and going, it was probably one of the most formative experiences uh, for me um, as an individual. Um, it was incredibly, even though it was very hard, it was incredibly good for my marriage. I think I am much happier in my marriage now than I was before because we went through that process and it wasn't easy, but we grew together and we now have a partnering ecosystem that we both really enjoy and cherish about each other. There's no resentment there, even though there was initially because it was so difficult to come to terms with this thing. Um, And I think I'm a better leader and I think I'm a better better mother. Um, For me at the end of the day, it's not about the amount of time that you spend with your children. It's not about definitely not about the amount of money that you spend on your children. (laughs) It's about co-creating in your community good human beings. And everyone's got a role to play in that. Mm. It's not just up to you. And so for me, that was, I would say, my brave is, is, is not just rebelling against that, not just giving up, not just going, you know, screw this. I'm not happy in this relationship. But working through that and making it work for me and coming out the other side happier, stronger, and and content yeah. in that. So that was my brave. I love that. Beautiful. And I love the, the concept of holding space because that is what we as women do so well is holding space. Beautifully said. Can you think of a time where you wished you've been more brave? And what lessons did you learn from that? I... And I still feel that um, there are many times where I feel 
I can be more brave in the moment in terms of speaking out against something that is happening right in front of me mm. where I perceive it to be disempowering to another female in the boardroom or um uh or a, a process or something that's impeding that. And it's not that I don't speak up, but I don't speak up right there and then. Mm. You know, I wish um I often was more brave in, in just saying something about it in the moment. I'll often go and say something about it afterwards. Or I'll, I'll often go and, you know, work the system so that we can change and influence the outcome slightly differently. Um, and I think, I think the reason why I don't always feel comfortable doing it in the moment is I think sometimes very often women, you know, when you speak up in those moments are often also labeled as, oh, so you're just being sensitive about this matter instead of it being seen as actually legitimate input. You know, oh, there goes Marissa on her soapbox again. Um, and and I'm not saying that it's right. And I wish I was more braver in those moments to in that moment actually say something about it. Um, and And what do I learn from that? I learned that we often don't hold people to account we often go and find other ways of influencing the outcome instead of just holding them accountable right there at the cold face of where the action or the decision is being taken mm. instead of now going and working a lot harder to actually go and influence the outcome of that differently instead of just doing it right there and then. So I think that's where I wish sometimes I was a little bit braver. Um but I mean, what you say is so true. I mean, so many times I find myself also in that position, you know, where I'm like, I wish I said something in that moment. Why did I not say something? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but then there's also a part of, wait, I'm gathering data. Yeah. I want to actually, when I do say something, really say it convincingly and like people are actually going to listen what I have to say. Mm. Um, so I, I, you know, I think that's also the thing of being kind to ourselves. Um, cause you know, we can be so self judgmental sometimes, but I mean, it happens around us all the time. I think it's choose your battles. Mm. The, the time to fight that battle will come. Yeah. Um, and it will, because it won't just happen once. It will happen all the time until something is said. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the final question that I want to ask you is what brave do we need to lead now in the times that we live in? I think the brave that we need to live in or that we need to lead with right now is making sure that we've got the voices around the table that we need. Doesn't matter how uncomfortable they might be in terms of the truth that they speak. Mm. Um, because that is the information that we really need right now to be able to create those ecosystems of value and to create value for communities. Because, you know, business has been on this aggressive growth trajectory for years and years and years and years. And yes, business has got up and down, but at the end of the day, they end up making more money with less overheads. And that is the model. That is the model, you know, mm. more revenue, more gross margin, more operating income. That is the model. And, and around and around and around it goes. That model is not sustainable mm. because it is made to, to benefit a few in terms of the products and the services that you deliver. And I think, you know, as we've said in many, many times in this conversation, there's a huge informal sector in our country that is underserved. Yes. Underserved significantly. And, you know, the way that they want to be served 
is not necessarily in the way that business is serving its customers right now. And so bringing those voices around the table and truly and authentically listening to their problems, and it can be a very humbling experience doing that, and and solving those problems in a way that truly benefits them, that will create um, the future in terms of the value chain that you need to unlock as a business for growth. But it will also, in turn, I think, unlock growth at the community level that will ultimately provide the next layer of growth again. So if you think about communities that are now better served in terms of financial planning or better served in terms of nutrition or better served in terms of access to education or healthcare or um, just better served in terms of um, inspiring leaders and access to people that that can give you um, a vision beyond your current circumstances so that you can dream and grow and go from there. If, 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 if that was the empowerment of all of the communities around our country, the next generation of leaders are just waiting in the wings to take us forward. Whereas if that's not the case, that mm. we will continue to see some of the big challenges that we have perpetuate. And, you know, and, and the model that I've just spoken about will break. And ultimately that's a lose lose. For me, a win win is finding a different way of operating that model in business, empowering communities to become the next forces for good in our country. And that for me is the win-win. So I think that's the brave we need. We need the voices around the table that we don't often listen to. And I think we don't often listen to them because sometimes the things that they say are uncomfortable or the problems that they have are too difficult to solve. So let's just solve the easy ones over here because that's the short-term revenue that we can get. Let's take that longer-term view. Let's invite all of the, the voices in. So for me, that's the next brave in terms of leadership. I love that. Wow. Now, before we go, I would like a question that I can ask the next guest about their brave that you could lead. Sure. That is a difficult one. So there's a statement. So one of my, the CMOs that I worked with before, um, she had the statement that says the future belongs to the brave. And I think that's a question you can ask your next guest. What, what does that mean for them? in terms of the future belongs to the brave Um, because I truly believe in that. And I've always, you know, interpreted that, that statement more in the context of be brave in your thinking. um, Don't see the, don't see the constraints, see the opportunities. Um, But I also think unpacking it in context of the brave that we've just been talking about, um, I think will be an interesting conversation. Love it. Marissa, thank you so much. You have been a superstar. So lovely chatting to you. As always, I always feel inspired talking to you. And I think that you're a wonderful leader. And I've always admired your flamboyant and courageous way that you go out there and you do what you want to do and people must just follow through (laughs) and of course mad love to the exceptional team of solid gold podcast studios and audiobooks who work their magic behind the scenes so let's make this community even more extraordinary subscribe to the carmen murray show and your favorite podcast platform let's redefine what's possible because you're not just a listener you're part of a movement Thank you to all of you for listening in and for all the phenomenal women making every episode a triumph. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.